Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution of the United States of America as our guide. Absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put placed by the founding fathers one of the peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips and as you know we reject revolution we stand for peaceful restoration all right james edwards the political cesspool.org with me for the next couple of hours to break everything down just for you wow first off we had alex newman well-known journalist speaker writer and more and alex reports on brighty on tv the sheriff mac show along with liberty roundtable live tv and radio simulcast and he reports live from the conference of the parties. They call it COP27 in Egypt. So Alex was on TV with me from Egypt. And uh, we talked about a lot of things, folks. We talked about the video that Alex did called Proof. Cult leaders over climate don't believe their own narrative. We talked about Biden addresses the climate change group in Egypt. Most folks didn't even hear that he went there. Biden claims climate efforts more urgent than ever at the summit. But the United Nations framework on the Convention on Climate Change is the framework they're setting up. They're jettisoning the Ten Commandments of God and replacing them with their own climate change Ten Commandments. Uh, Are you familiar with the Human Development Report? That's where it all can be found. But they believe that the Ten Commandments of God have caused this global warming climate change crisis. That's why they have their own man-made Ten Commandments to, quote, replace them as they push towards a globalized religion. Uh, It's a tragic reality check, folks, but that's what we're facing. Uh, Welcome back, James, and do you want a quick comment on Alex's reporting first? Sam, nothing more than to say that I appreciate you putting this forth to a wider audience, and I think you've covered it well, and it's uh, it's an important thing to get out there, that's for sure. Nobody else is doing it. Patrick Byrne then jumped on the broadcast. He's the old former chairman and CEO of Overstock, but he's also a patriot, a whistleblower. He admits he worked for the deep state for decades. And Patrick literally in 2020 with the election crisis snuck into the White House and had an emergency meeting with Donald Trump. Believe it or not, Trump and Patrick were betrayed from within by Rudy Giuliani, according to Patrick. Patrick basically briefed the president on information that the government had that they did not share with Donald Trump. So he took it about himself to share it with Trump. What is that? Anybody who remembers the solar winds hack, that was a big hack of computer software, right? But Patrick explains that anybody who had the key to the solar winds hack had a key to every election machine in America. Why do you say that Sam? Because the hack related to what's called the serve you FTP software. And anybody who had access to that FTP, uh, the serve you FTP software had also access to those machines that were running that software. And they had unlimited administrative access 
to the databases. How, you might say? Because those same machines that had the serve you software on it that got hacked also had SQL, a database technology, on it. And it lets you literally change entries to the database. So they had absolute control of the servers. Well, Donald was going to demand investigation into this. But Rudy Giuliani was on the phone when Patrick talked to Donald. And Rudy talked Donald out of it. Then Donald, obviously, since he didn't take action, due to vote fraud, got swept out of office. Now Donald crying spilled milk. But it's a day late and it's a dollar short because he didn't listen to Patrick. He listened to whacked out betrayer Rudy Giuliani. Now Patrick further goes on and he is issuing a direct challenge to Barack Obama, to the Department of Justice, to the FBI, and the rest of the deep state folks. That's right. And his direct challenge is this. Mr. Patrick Byrne said, I'd pay $10 million to be tried for sedition in a military court next week. If I'm convicted, hang me. If I'm lying about this stuff, hang me. Then he goes on and says this. You know what? I've got cancerous tumors in my spine now. That's what's given me the, quote, courage to dare the military courts to try him in one day for sedition to hang him by sunset if he's lying he will call six witnesses 10 minutes for each witness and there's only one condition to it that it's televised on tv so the american people will have the truth once and for all I don't even know how to respond to this. The deplorables are proven right once again. Um, This is amazing. Archives of Liberty Roundtable can be found at libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net, and the TV version, if you want to see it on TV, brighteon.com. Do you want to respond to this one? This is pretty shocking information, James. Uh, Sam, it absolutely is. I mean, that is a powerful statement by Patrick uh, Byrne, who has been, of course, a titan of industry with Overstock.com. I mean, that is no slouch of a guest, by the way, for people listening to this broadcast. Uh, the fact that people like this are coming on Liberty Roundtable and talking with Sam, it certainly um, is courageous. And it reminds us about all of the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs, the missed opportunities, the near misses uh, during the, the, the Trump four years. Uh, how a couple of decisions could have gone differently and it really could have changed things. And this is just another one that I had not heard about before, obviously, uh, but uh, I'm learning about now. And there's just no telling how much of this was going on behind the scenes. And it just at the end of the day, he was, of course, uh, you know, a, a, the deep state was able to outmaneuver him. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we got the announcement of the Revenge Tour last night, which I know we'll get to in just a moment. But uh, very brave of Patrick Byrne. That's uh, that's something everybody now should go back to Now, here's the question that I have yesterday. for you. All the mainstream press says everything we say about election fraud, election integrity, whatever. We're all election deniers. But when you have a man like a Patrick Byrne who literally says, you know what? Try me in a military tribunal. Do it now. Do it on public TV. If I'm lying, if I'm convicted, literally hang me before sunset. But I want it on national TV, and I want to get to the truth, and I want to do it now. And what's giving me the mojo to do this is, hey, I've literally got terminal cancer in my spine. I'm going to die anyway. Let's throw down the gauntlet. 
Now, you cannot say with allegations like his, with putting that much on the line, that bold in your face, let's go. You can't say without evidence now. All you have to do literally is listen to his six witnesses. If Donald's one of them, great. If Donald's not, the question is, did Patrick Burns meet you in your office, as he claims? Did he download this information to you? Was Giuliani a witness? How come this hasn't been investigated? What I mean is the claims are too bold, too in your face to ignore. But believe it or not, the mainstream press has told you nothing about this. You've had to rely on Patrick himself and Liberty Roundtable Live, right? I had Think a, about a big that, dis- folks. A big discussion about this last Saturday night on my program. Of course, that was the first show since the midterms, and my co-host and I were debating the uh, allegations of election fraud. My co-host is absolutely 100% in, in the belief that the fraud had determined these things. I said, you know what? We don't know. He said, well, I do know. And yeah, I we said, do. well, you, you, you know, but you don't know. But here's the thing. You don't know because they have never allowed any real investigation of the facts, just like we're talking about here. They've always yeah, but, been blocked. The courts have blocked them. I mean, we know. No, no, but, we have we, in court that the FBI literally shut down stories about Joe and Hunter and literally promoted fake news about Donald Trump. We know that from court cases. Yes, we know. But what I'm saying is, in terms of what we don't know, is exactly how many, exactly how it happened. You can you can get pretty close. You can stab close. But there's never been allowed any real investigations of this. You'll remember, of course, on January 6th, that was supposed to be the order of the day and, until everything happened, happened. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, I guess there's no fraud now because a, a, a few interlopers walked in. It just sort of like completely discounted the fact that they were supposed to be getting to the bottom of these yeah, things. I think that. you've got a valid point that you uh, debate with your co-host, and that brings up the next guest that I had on yesterday. His name is Lloyd Brunson. Him and his two brothers, they're nicknamed the Brunson Brothers. They knew that U.S. attorneys could get to the bottom of this, and they literally filed three there court you go. cases. And the website, if you want to learn more, is the number 7discoveries, plural, 7discoveries.com. And in their lawsuit, which is different than everybody else's to date, I might add, they uh, believe that, hey, the problem isn't the outcome. The problem is none of us, we the people, got a redress of grievances. You know, how do citizens show their redress of grievance or how do we rectify that redress of grievance uh, over the unfair election process? That's what their lawsuit was about. And so they went to the United States District Court of Utah, the federal courts everywhere, and they've moved their case forward to 388 defendants. Believe it or not, most congressmen and senators are part of the defendants. A hundred congressmen uh, and senators, from what I understand, wanted a 10-day investigation, but they were rejected by their That's colleagues. Right. That's so right. their colleagues are all being sued, including Mike Lee and all kinds of people, Biden, Harris, all kinds of people. Uh, and believe it or not, <clears throat> I don't even know how to say this, but he sued the, uh, the 10th Circuit Court. And the 4th District Court uh, over uh, basically sitting on his case and denying him even the ability to move it forward. Bottom line is they have a lawsuit on the docket at the Supreme Court now. More about it with James Edwards in seconds on your radio. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an immigrant. 
Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, James Edwards and Keith Alexander on thepoliticalcesspool.org. Last week, debating about election fraud, Keith is convinced. James says, you know, we don't know. We don't have complete, solid evidence. We haven't been allowed to investigate it. I agree with Keith, but I get James's point, and so do the Brunson brothers, who filed a lawsuit, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and their lawsuit, interestingly enough, has wormed its way. They've got three lawsuits, him and his two brothers. And one of the uh, court cases has made it to the Supreme Court docket. This can be found at supremecourt.gov. Docket number 22-380. 22-380. Uh, and the point is that James is making is we don't have the proof. Well, these guys are basically saying, you know what? You're right, James, and you know what? We're going to file a lawsuit. The debate isn't whether there's fraud or not. The debate is, look, there is a mountain of evidence at Congress. A hundred congressmen and senators who did not get sued have that evidence. They were never allowed to present it. Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz pushed for this. They never got it. But you know what? If you have that much evidence in front of Congress where a hundred Congress representatives are saying we need to look into this and they get shut down, then you know what? The people never got an appropriate redress of grievance. That's the problem. Congress is derelict in their duty, and then with January 6th, they scuttled it. And you say, well, we don't have proof that the government was involved in January 6th either. I disagree, again, but it's hard to pin the tail on the donkey to James's point. But here's the next headline. Court documents now show that the FBI had at least eight informants in the far-right Proud Boys. 
<laughs> New York Times with that piece, if you want to know where I got the evidence and information. They say the filings in the seditious conspiracy case against members of the Proud Boys, uh, defense lawyers are now claiming that information available to their clients uh, that was necessary for their defense was withheld by the government until recently. Now you say, well, we don't know that's a fact. That's just what the lawyers are claiming. Uh, I agree. However, we do know that's what happened to Ammon Bundy, and the government got caught at it. And the judge even admitted that's what happened and dismissed the case over it. Ammon Bundy, guilty of nothing, government guilty of grievous crimes. So we have seen their patterns here. Well, now the government's got Proud Boys in bed with them, and this all occurs. And then you go watch the Epic Times um, other side of the story about January 6th. You begin to realize your government in bed with the Proud Boys, Antifa, and others literally committed criminal acts. Big time. Shot Ashley Babbitt and more. You put all that together and you say, well, uh, there you go. Is January 6th tied to this? Is the government tied to election fraud? Is You go on and on and on. But more evidence really is there on this case. So much so now that it looks like Carrie Lake will not. I repeat, Carrie Lake will not concede governor's race after media calls it for Hobbs. So, again, the battle rages on. The problem is, as James wisely points out, we're blocked at every turn. You think we'll finally get a uh, reality check on this, James? It doesn't look that way. I mean, it certainly doesn't look that way. I think that Carrie Lake would have been a big impediment uh, to this system had she uh, won her race or been allowed to win her race or if somehow, some way she can overcome what's going on. But, of course, that's unlikely if passed as prologue. And just to be clear on what we were talking about before, Yes, I certainly do believe that there is undoubtedly fraud. Is there fraud to the extent that it can turn some of these swing states? Probably so. I do believe that. We know, but we don't know. We don't know. I mean, Dinesh D'Souza, you know, he's stabbing in the right direction, I think, but his his movie isn't conclusive proof. I mean, you're going to need an official governmental body going in and actually doing this investigation and coming up with hey here's how they did it and here are the people who did it and here's how they did it and this is a, a, a open this is a closed case now we know it was fraudulent now let's do something about it this whole thing sam let me tell you something they of course used the fake covid uh, situation to institute those drop boxes i mean never before in american history had you had anything like that i mean the mail-in voting and the early voting is bad enough I, I, I said before, I mean, you have in some states a month plus of early voting. I mean, what in the world is that? And then, of course, the mail-in voting. Mail-in voting should be absolutely disallowed unless you have some sort of legitimate doctor's note saying you are too ill or feeble to, to go to a polling place if you're overseas or military or something like that. But this thing with the drop boxes, you've got things that look like, uh, you know, these random post office boxes boxes where you put your letters in uh, throughout town and people who knows who they are just dropping in ballots this was absolutely said on the tucker carlson show two nights after the election two nights after the election when adam laxalt the the republican nominee for senator in nevada was still leading by twenty thousand votes okay this is two days after the election and tucker carlson came in and he interrupted what he was talking about to say we just received word that the clark county uh elections department or election commission in clark county which is the democratic stronghold of las vegas it's the the big democratic stronghold of the whole state 
They just found 50,000 more Dropbox ballots. This is at, you know, hey, a, man, a day or two after the election. When you just find a bunch of it, Well, this is the thing. Awesome. They just found them. They're the 50,000. They've got to be counting, of course, the mail-in ballots for whatever reason. This is, again, this is something that needs to be uh, determined. Why do the mail-in ballots skew so heavily for the Democrats? Do Republicans not like dropping it in the in the little boxes? I mean, why, why, why? Who's dropping them in? Do we have verification on who these people are and if it adds up and if it matches? So 50,000, and then sure enough, don't you know, a couple of days later, wow, what a miracle. The Democratic uh, nominee for the Senate beats Laxalt in a squeaker, and there goes this balance of power in the Senate. So here's the thing. Yes, I do believe it, but the Republicans are absolutely going to have to deal with mail-in and Dropbox ballot balloting. Republican, here's a, here's a fact. Here's a fact. In the midterm elections, which, you know, again, I don't think it was such a terrible night for the Republicans. They took the House. They narrowly lost the Senate, according to the system's numbers, of course. But, it, you know, the Democrats are certainly more weak today in terms of the governmental authority and power than they were a week ago. So I, I, I think, you know, in a way, the Republicans certainly did better. They're, they're better off now than they were last month. But the fact of the matter is this, Sam. Republicans won the nationwide popular vote. Let me repeat that. Coast to coast, Republicans won the nationwide popular vote, taking into account all votes cast. That did not happen according to the system's numbers in either of the Trump elections, but it happened this time. And aside from Generation Z, the Zoomers, as they're called, the Republicans gained in every demographic group, including urban blacks, Hispanics, and women. But the Democrats still managed to squeak by. How did that happen? And where did that happen? It happened in Arizona and Nevada, just like in 2020, uh, once again, with the Republicans leading at the end of election night. And then a week later, when all of these ballots, are they being manufactured in that interim time? Why aren't these ballots collected before Election Day? Why can't they count these ballots just like they count the ones that are cast on Election Day? Why does it take a week, a month uh, to get these things in? That, that, is, that is absolutely a legitimate question, and that's the question that they refuse to answer. That's what the whole January 6th deal was about. Oh, other than that, it's all good, right, James? Well, I mean, this is, this is it. Uh, if, if, if they can... Uh, you, You're right on the point, the, sir. You're and and why, right. why can't and people be expected is, to go vote on Election Day? Why, why can't you... Well, if if you, you, lines are long, have more polling places. I get it. And, and the problem is ladies and gentlemen, that they want to commit fraud and they want to shield the fraud. That's why these big delays. See, last time it was a fiasco and there was all kinds of leaked uh, half evidences but never final proof because you couldn't take it to the bank kind of stuff. And Now all they did is they said, look, we're going to delay this. They all went into their quiet, sanctimony, whatever, centers, uh, worked all the fraud out and then came back and said, hey, so-and-so won, so-and-so lost. That's the deal, bottom line, done. And, you know, now they're trying to literally cover up the fraud, dismiss it. The question is, will the American people give up on it or will they stand up? Time will tell. Uh, now, <laughs> there's an interesting twist to this whole thing. I don't know if you know this, but a, uh, a Maricopa County election judge, her name is Michelle Swinnick, is now speaking out. Um, on exactly what she saw on election day just a couple of days ago or a week plus ago. Election judge Michelle Sweenick has come forward to report what she experienced on election day. She worked on election day at what they call the Islamic Voting Center in Scottsdale, Arizona, 
is heavily Republican, and she registered Republican voters all day. So that's how she knows that there's very few Democratic voters there. She said that the tabulators worked perfectly during the test the night before the election. But then voters started scanning their ballots first thing in the morning, and it immediately failed. Voters scanned their ballots between 4 and 12 times with very minimal success, she testifies. Poll workers estimated that only about 1 in 10 ballots were working properly. Huh. They say it were being read by the scanners. That was the case for the first three hours of voting. I've got more on what she has to say in seconds on your radio. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Twice impeached and twice found not guilty. President Trump announced his third presidential run in 2024. He made the announcement during primetime Tuesday in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. This will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. With the goal of building a base on the South Pole of the Moon by 2030, Katie Lewis from our Midwest Bureau has more on this morning's Artemis One launch. NASA has successfully launched its Artemis One moon rocket following a number of delays. The overnight launch from Kennedy Space Center marks the first step in returning Americans to the moon and eventually going all the way to Mars. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis. Elon Musk is scheduled to take the stand Wednesday in a shareholder lawsuit over his multi-billion dollar compensation package at Tesla. The trial that kicked off Monday in Delaware is expected to determine whether Mr. Musk had undue influence over a 2018 pay package that is worth around $52 billion at recent share prices. Deals were made at the G20 summit. Victoria Idoni reports from Washington. The United States, Japan, and other allies signed a $20 billion deal on Tuesday at the G20 summit to benefit the country hosting the event. The goal of the agreement, called the Just Energy Transition Partnership, is to help Indonesia reduce emissions and transition away from fossil fuels to renewable energy. From the USA Radio News Washington, D.C. Bureau, I'm Victoria Idoni. USA Radio News. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-568-2790. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems. And if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about 100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. 
Call Term Provider at 800-568-2790. That's 800-568-2790. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-568-2790. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. I was telling you about this election judge in Maricopa County, Arizona, that's now doubling down and speaking out. Listen carefully. Maricopa County election judge. Michelle Sweeney speaks out, and she says this. Listen, the vote tabulators did not work for the first three hours. Voters were either given the option to, quote, spoil their ballots and try again or drop them into a different section called door three. As per Sweeney, she said their inspector had to empty the ballots from that box more than three times during the afternoon because of the volume of ballots. Typically, ballots are not supposed to be removed from that box until polls close. But they made an exception because the box was jamming, and it became too full. Sweeney reports that the technician came to the polling center about 3 to 4 p.m. and rebooted the machines. Who knows what else the person did, right? After this, there were no further issues with ballots being run through tabulators. She reported that one of the poll workers told her everything's now going smooth with the tabulators. But per Sweeney's inspector, an off-site supervisor advised because of the situation to put all, quote, door three ballots that had not been scanned. So they hadn't been scanned through a tabulator, put them in a black bag, and to label them as, quote, misreads. The problem is, as a judge, Michelle told Uncovered DC, the ones with this report, that, you know what, she signed the sticker, placed over the bag's zipper, and then the bags were sent to the tabulation center to be counted. The problem is, Michelle informed us that the normal process for the ballot that's unread is to run them through the machines one more time before you send it to the center. Why? Because now the machines were working, right? But no, they didn't do that. That's what Swinnick explained. They didn't do that. This was not done. The county, believe it or not, then set up a website to give voters the ability to check if their vote was counted. The problem, Michelle, has now proven that the website is not correct. Why, you may ask? seems to be using a, quote, voters check-in as evidence their vote was tabulated rather than the actual tabulation of the vote. Michelle offered firsthand proof of this. Listen carefully. She says, my roommate ran his ballot through the tabulators 15 times as one of the first voters at the Islamic Center. It did not read the ballot, so he was forced to drop it into, quote, door three. All right, you listening so far? About an hour after I arrived home, my roommate checked the website to see if his vote had been counted. The website reported that it was 
counted. Here's the problem. It's mathematically impossible for his vote to be counted because she left the center an hour before. And the ballots had not even been taken to the meeting point. So, look, somehow they would have had to either run the ballot back through the tabulator, which they didn't do, or they would have actually had to have them already transmitted to the other place and already hand-counted and already put in. Look, in the case of in-person voting, that's the value of this, folks, they're saying that's impossible for that to have happened. Okay, so the fact is the ballot was counted based on his being checked into the vote center and receiving a ballot not based on his ballot being scanned and already read through the tabulator machine or hand-counted at the tabulation center. Now, Michelle has been threatened by her supervisor, by the first name of Timothy, for speaking out about what she has witnessed. So now people are saying, Michelle, with your expertise as a judge and your experience, what's going on here? Listen carefully. She says, in my opinion, the machines were programmed to do this, and it was all planned, the process and the machines, both machines and people. This was brilliantly done. They isolated the ballots and did not count them in, listen carefully, and 223 bags. Whoa, folks. They say the problem is, in the past, they had a hard time getting their ballots to match the machine count, but in this way, they could simply handle it all behind the scenes, and they had everything isolated in the bags. Anyway, there you have that. James, do you want to respond to this? Absolutely. So keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, everything we had talked about earlier about the mail-in balloting and the proliferation of these anonymous drop box uh, ballots, ballot harvesting, everything else that, that could be going on here, all very, very, very suspicious. And again, it's happening in the exact two states that, along with Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, but uh, Nevada and Arizona were two of the states involved in Trump being reelected president in 2020 and as we went to bed that night and over the course of the next week and, and weeks and a month or so, all of these ballots continued to be counted. As Trump mentioned last night in his speech, a third world nation can count ballots faster than America can now. Where are these people? Where are these votes coming from? Are they legitimate? And then I add to that this. This was just really amazing. So you would have thought that after all of the scrutiny and all of the finger pointing uh, at Arizona specifically in 2020, that they would have really buttoned up and tightened up their operation. Man, nothing is going to get past us this time. We're going to run it as transparently as possible and uh, nothing, nothing, no funny stuff, nothing sketchy. And then... You have this, where once again, the balance of power with regards to the Senate there, too, with Blake Masters running against Mark Kelly. Uh, this was another one that if the Republicans had taken it, they would have taken, just like Nevada, would have taken the the, uh, the Senate had they won either of these two races. Uh, you know, Of course, Herschel Walker needs to win the runoff in Georgia as well, but we already talked about what happened in Nevada. Well, here's 50. Yeah, according and to runoff Tucker Carlson. criminal vote election fraud as well, by the way. Well, we'll get to that, but... Uh, it, it, uh, we mentioned Tucker Carlson himself saying, oh, breaking news, 50,000 Dropbox ballots were found after the election, and they got to go count them now. And, of course, you know, we know what happened. 
Uh, Republicans lost Nevada. But here in, in Arizona, though, on top of all of that, you have the voting machines just so happening to to break down in the middle of long lines. We all know Republicans prefer and to vote way, on election day. And by the way, these repeat meltdowns, these repeat allegations continue to happen in the most populous counties uh, in the most unique states that already have election problems, it doesn't break out somewhere else. It breaks out in the same places over and over again. Jim. Yeah, and, and listen, this is the thing, Sam. It didn't happen in, you know, some rural county that the Republicans are, are racking up votes. It didn't happen anywhere. It didn't happen. I, I hadn't heard of something like this happening anywhere in the country except for in the most crucial county of one of the two most crucial states that the Republicans needed to win. And that's where it happens, and that's where you had so much... Uh, Suspicion two years ago, and it's happening again on top of the mail-ins, on top of the ballot harvesting, on top of the Dropbox bo- uh, 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 you know, situation you've got here. Oh, in, in a heavily Republican area, and in only the heavily Republican areas, these machines all of a sudden stop working. You know, So are people getting fed up? Do they have to go back to work? Do they get out of line? In a state that's decided by a few thousand votes, all of this matters. And, and people would say, well, obviously the elections aren't rigged because the Democrats would have just won everything. Well, that's not how it works. They won enough to stay in power. That's all they needed to do. On the Senate side, of course. And then, you know, Carrie Lake had, had pledged. I don't even, she'd been I don't elected even know how governor, to respond to this, right? Well, one of her big things was, had she been elected governor, she was going to get to the bottom. She would have had the governmental authority at that point to really get to the bottom of what's going on in Arizona. And, uh, again, there... Well, here you go. This uh, She's being blocked. You've got the situation in Maricopa County that you so uh, excellently laid out for us, presented the facts, uh, what's been said, some anecdotal evidence, and then, of course, everything else that was a problem for the Republicans with regards to the mail-in and drop boxes. So, When you take the lawsuit of the Brunson brothers, when you take the report of Patrick Byrne, and you take the report of this election judge, you can no longer say that without evidence, ladies and gentlemen. You put that together with Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips' evidence about data being stored on communist Chinese servers. How much more evidence do you want What's for an back? investigation? Remember, evidence needs to be based on probable cause. Okay? Evidence needs to be based on these kind of things, not based on convictions. That's what the courts are for. That's what the ability to subpoena is about. That's what getting witnesses on the stand is for. Okay, look, this is completely bogus. Think about the evidence that we brought forward with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association and Liberty Liberty Roundtable Live. Well, step okay, back I'm beyond that too, you. Sam. We'll, we'll talk and, about and, that in seconds with James Edwards on your radio. All right. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen 
like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit to PreserveTheNation.com to begin that restoration. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, James Edwards, breaking this down just for you. So I'm saying with all that evidence, James, uh, you can say there's no evidence, but I'm saying that's absolutely dishonest, fake news, uh, look, we don't need to have proof. What we have to have is enough probable cause uh, to create investigations. With the lawsuit of the Brunson brothers showing that 100 congressmen have information and begged for this to happen, two senators, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, in addition, the information from Patrick Byrne, so bold, if he's lying, hang him. If he's telling the truth, get on it along with Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, who had proof that data was stored on communist Chinese servers, and a man got arrested over it. Now he's been released because they're playing games, but he flat out got arrested by L.A. County, a very liberal county. And then you add to all that, this information the judge just laid out, the evidence is mounting. They're losing, even though they're trying to hide their election fraud, they're losing. The problem is the deep state is so entrenched, we can't get justice james all of that and then step back and ask yourself this just step back and from a broad view ask yourself this could a government that is so criminally corrupt a system here in this country not just the government but but our media you know all of its collaborators the media the deep state you name it a system that is so criminally corrupt that it would, there is no form of anti-Christian or anti-family narrative or measure that it, it doesn't accept, up to and including child mutilation, the murder of unborn children, uh, it's genocidal, illegal, unconstitutional wars in other parts of the world going back decades now. America really is a criminally corrupt Entity. I mean, I, I think in some ways you could you could uh, you could legitimately say 
that the United States is a is a, is a terrorist uh, nation. It's, you, you look at all of that and you say, oh, but there's just no way they would ever cheat in domestic elections. Well, they, they certainly had the United States government has certainly engaged. And this is just flat out common knowledge, certainly engaged in color revolutions across the, the world where they interfere in the elections of other nations. But they wouldn't do it here. It's impossible to even imagine that a country that's capable of everything that I just mentioned would possibly uh you know, rig a few thousand votes to go in one way or another in a, an extremely 50-50 type uh, a close election to put in the people that are going to uphold the system as opposed to people who might want to look to reform it. If you, if you don't believe that that's at least possible, folks, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Sure, it's possible. And, and in fact, very likely, almost certain. The problem that I can see with this, James, is what is our next steps? All they got to do is jettison the Brunson suits. All they got to do is, you know, declare, uh, you know, some you don't have standing or some weird. We're not going to take it dead, done, gone. The courts won't give you redress of grievance. The Congress has rejected redress of grievance. Uh, we literally have all these things that play evidence after, you know, Greg and Catherine get thrown in jail. Uh, you know, um, you just let Patrick Byrne die because he's got cancer anyway there, you know. Just let him kill it, die. Uh, you know, all this evidence, this judge just railroad her out of existence, ruin her life, destroy her character, destroy her job prospects for the future. You know, this is the problem with the deep state. That's what they're doing. Anybody who stands up for liberty, anybody who tries to do the right thing uh, is attacked. Nobody, it looks like, as far as I can tell, can deal with this. Let me give you an example from Catherine Engelbrecht. Here she says it. As many of you likely know, I was released from prison last Monday afternoon after having spent the previous seven days behind bars. I, along with longtime True the Vote contractor Greg Phillips, were both held in contempt of court in a, quote, civil defamation case ending in an unprecedented sentencing of, or I'm sorry, a sentence of imprisonment without bond. So they were literally thrown in prison. They couldn't even get out. Thankfully, an emergency ruling from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ordered our release. With no time to waste, we immediately jumped into election day operations with continue now with some races still undecided. Many of you are no doubt disappointed in Tuesday's results. I want you to consider, however, that maybe we did have a tsunami of sorts after all, even though it did not look as we expected it to. This is an interesting take from Catherine Engelbrecht through the vote. The wave of passion filled Americans Voting, serving, seeing firsthand the process failures that increasingly define our elections. Americans are willing to now stand for their freedoms despite what the establishment tries to spin. I believe the call of our generation is to claw back the deep institutional structures build over decades that are responsible for the erosion of our freedom.
Wow. It is not unexpected that we would face fierce headwinds and obstacles in that process, she says. Think about what the day might have looked like if we hadn't challenged the body politic over the last two years. If we just assumed that the political establishment knew what they were doing. If we just assumed they had our best interest at heart, today would be much, much worse. Consider these factors regarding the political establishment. The Republican Party had been under a consent decree for 40 years in which it was not allowed to engage in ballot security activities. The party was released from that consent decree in 2018. Did you know that, James? I did not. The RNC barely lifted a finger to help some of its candidates get over the finish line. The Democratic Party invests heavily in lawfare and attorneys who file election-related lawsuits all year round. The Democratic Party still holds, quote, raw machine power in many cities. They have huge armies at their disposal to extend the courts, to the election halls, to everywhere. Over the past two years, we were continually disappointed in the cowardice of state legislatures to exercise their power on a variety of election integrity matters. And then she said, support true the vote, please. We could have anticipated that the machines would break down, that polling places would run out of ballots, last minute lawsuits would be filed to change a lawless uh, election pro- practices and processes. You know what? True the vote was overwhelmed with people begging for help to try to solve this real time. We know what's happening. Now we need to work to correct it before 2024. I don't tell you this to discourage you, Catherine Engelbrecht says. I tell you this to have you inspired to help us in the battles ahead. The political establishment is not on board with correcting what has become a perpetually broken election process. They prefer the status quo. It's going to take continued efforts and vigilance on our part because they know how to exploit the system. Look at where we are right now, though, compared to where we were two years ago. The efforts of all of us have been nothing short of spectacular. People who value freedom tend not to organize. This does not come naturally to us. We tend to mind our own business. We tend to do what we want. We tend to tell others what we think they should do. That's our nature. But we now realize that our liberty was slipping away and taken by people who are happy to organize, happy to drown out other viewpoints, happy to bully others into doing what they want them to do. So we have now in the last two years organized. We have gotten to know each other. We have united into a movement. Getting organized is no small thing. That hard work is largely behind us. We know how to find each other now. And we can work on getting the message out together. Let's take our wins from last week and build on them. Nobody ever said that a tsunami was the end game. 
it was always the beginning. We have a long way to go. Please join us in moving forward. Ever onward, Catherine Engelbrecht. Do you want to respond to that stirring message, James? Yes, and I also want to respond to something you said earlier about what do we do now in light of uh, what is almost certain to be rampant election fraud, fraud that is going to turn the GOP into a permanent minority party. And I think it ties in with, with Trump's speech last night. I think it's simply good because he will further polarize the country, if that's possible. His everlasting contribution was to upend the comfortable neocon Chamber of Commerce Republican establishment that would have given us unending Jeb versus Hillary type elections. And so I, I, I welcome the polarization, hopefully leading to a divorce. I don't know if we can vote our ways out of this. I do vote every election cycle because that's where the the game is played right now. To what extent it does any good, I don't know. But we have to get to the point where people who think like us realize that they can't win elections uh, at, at, unless something radically changes and that the GOP is that permanent minority party. And at that point, once you realize that, other solutions are going to have to be considered because there are still parts of the country. And I'd like to talk about some good news from last Tuesday's elections, maybe in the second hour. A lot of very conservative, very pro-God, pro-country, pro-family people, very angry about what's going on. So I still think a secession movement could take off within our lifetimes, especially if the system shows signs of collapse, which it could economically uh, with regards to a World War III type of scenario that they seem hell-bent to put us in. So being the optimist that I am, I continue to have hope, not necessarily in the United States as it's currently constructed, but you know, Sam, my first loyalty is to God and then my family. And maybe it be God's will that our family, our people, his people, break away from this criminally corrupt uh government that we have there's nothing that says in order to be good christians we have to hope that the geographic and political entity known as the united states as we've known it throughout our lives must continue to exist i mean you look up in uh, places like minnesota michigan washington and oregon all of these states descended into chaos under democratic control and they all got reelected. they refused to allow trump to quell the george floyd riots they loved what happened during COVID and and, and the the black lives matter terrorism uh, all of their leadership was reelected. it's a totally different country we need to be separated from people like that we need a partition we need a secession ladies and gentlemen there you have james's viewpoint i think we need a restoration rather than a secession that's my opinion <laughs> But there you have it. The problem is the blue and the red are getting more separation every second. There seems to be no way back. Without God, there isn't. With God, there is. Nevertheless, the battle's on for our liberty. That's without a doubt. The culture war at the center of it all. Sam and James here to break it down just for you. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up in seconds. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net are the two websites for me for james the political cesspool.org live and on demand radio at your fingertips god save the republic Top the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use continues now. This is the broadcast form. What is it? November the sixteenth in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-two. 
This is our two at two, and the goal always to promote God, family, and country, protect life, liberty, and property, use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, reject revolution, stand for peaceful restoration, use the checks and balances, all that good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the broadcast. James Edwards with me. Thepoliticalcesspool.org is his website. And you know what, James? All I can tell you is there's a rift in the Republican Party like you wouldn't believe. Some of the folks are saying, uh, I think it's Josh Hawley and others saying, the Republican Party is literally dead as we know it. Talking about the old guard, the Mitch you know, McConnells, the, the whacked out old deep state thugs, and, and literally saying we got to have uh, the new Republican Party uh, take over. Your thoughts? Well, they're going to have to get more aggressive, that's for sure. I mean, the old guard way is just... Uh, treading water long enough until each state can be picked off one by one. I mean, you, but you do have, again, we've got all of the evidence now. We've had a, a week to, to, to sift through the election results and what they mean and what the, the biggest takeaways are. And as, as I said two weeks ago on this program right before the election, uh, I said it appears as though the red states are going to get redder and the blue states are going to get bluer, and that is exactly what happened. Now, I did expect that the Republicans, when you're taking into account the rampant inflation, uh, the rampant crime, the situation on the border, the fact that the Democrats are goading us into uh, a World War III, that the Republicans would, would win the Senate by a couple of seats. It looks like it's going to be about a draw. So, you know, that's the difference between winning big and, and having an underperforming night is, you know, a couple of races. And, and these two races, of course, are the ones where there's so much skepticism about whether or not there was a fair vote in Nevada and Arizona, as we discussed in the first hour. But the Republicans did officially take back the House, I think, uh, best-case scenario for them. And I don't place necessarily my interest in the interest of our people with the interest of the Republican Party. I, I, I do think that uh, there are instances and in, in some individuals where the Republican parties do, uh, Republican candidates do offer a, a stark difference to, to what the Democrats want. Uh, but in some ways, it's better that the Republicans only won the House narrowly because the Freedom Caucus members like Paul Gozer and Marjorie Taylor Greene are going to have more power. They're going to have more leverage. They're going to have to be reckoned with. Uh, and it, you're going to have to go through them now to get anything passed in the House because you're going to need uh, you're going to need uh, unanimity. You're going to need things to be uh, unanimous. But I, 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 I want to say, too, before going back to this, Sam, you know, the whole thing about um, – what we were saying at the end of the first hour, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying about peaceful restoration, but why would we, would we want to be restored uh, with these people uh, that are, are on the other side? I, well, I, I think, about these godless... on, think about these Think about these people on the other side. They're akin to those who supported King George back in the day as well. And the Founding Fathers didn't yeet them. The Founding Fathers, over time, educated them about the yeah, value of the Yeah, but you know what? That, that difference is a, that, that is something. To, there is something to be said for that. Uh, but right, that is totally proposal, different. Let's say we secede. What states secede? What states stay? Do we secede or do they secede? Or do we – who controls the country and who remains a constitutional republic? And if you secede, then are you going to have a general constitution or states knit together in any type of organization? What is your plan? Let's just I talk the about the plan would, for a second. The states that would secede, hypothetically, would be the red states, not just there the are confederacy, although they would certainly be included in it. What's the other? Look, the, the, the thing in, in this. They all talk about it. Nobody does it. 
Well, nobody's seceded, that's for sure, but there is a stark difference between the state of Florida and Alabama and South Carolina and Georgia and Mississippi and Louisiana. Look, in, in all of those states I just in mentioned, Utah, the Republicans. Idaho, and no question. The, yeah, the yeah, South absolutely. And the Rocky and, and, Mountain and you, states have become a bastion of, of, for the most part, conservatism. That's a relative statement, by the way. Compared to the East Coast, West Coast, Northeast states, et cetera, there's no doubt about that. But the question right. is, is who maintains the constitutional republic? And what binds the states together uh, based on whoever leaves or whoever stays, right? If you're not well, careful, I mean, you I, secede and none of the states have any organization whatsoever. Now what you've got is 50 what? Democracies slash republics, depending on who you are? Well, it has to be you know, figured out. Most of out. the states I mean, are landlocked, this has right? happened Tennessee's landlocked, correct. right? Tennessee is, but it would be okay. working in cooperation with other states, which maybe Texas, Louisiana. Well, it would. Yeah, I'm sure that they they would have some sort well, of a even, confederation uh, to use the word. They might. Okay, so now we create the quote Confederate States of America. That's been tried before. Yeah. Well, you know, it, yeah, all that, that results in six hundred thousand deaths. Well, how many died winning our independence the first time around? Was that you know that's the that's the thing. The only crime in war is to lose. If you win, of course, your cause was righteous. If you lose, of course, it no. It I was don't think the cause of the civil war on the on the north side was righteous by any means. I think it was tyrannical and evil. Well, the point is, if you stay in this marriage, you know, and all of the concerns that you have would be better suited. Uh, and I think, to the extent that America even exists at all as even a faint vision of the founders has been because of the people in these red states that have, uh, you know, continued to, to I, try I to keep it afloat. I agree with that 100%, and that's why we've got to continue to hold it together. Now, if California wants to secede, let them. Yeah, well, here's the thing, too. But, but if you I, get I just don't seceded think... from the West Coast and the East Coast, you have no ocean trade. Well, look, I mean, why not? Look at North Carolina. Look at uh, South Carolina. Look at Georgia, Florida. I mean, there's a lot of states that Georgia have, won't uh, go with us. Well, they might. We'll see. I mean, Georgia, even if they Georgia's don't, the you still got tech. Well, certainly, te you know, look, uh, on, the, on the state uh, party platform of Texas, they have now, and they put it in last summer, or earlier this summer, I should say, uh, to put secession as a question on the ballot. That's the Republican Party of Texas. Texas is a big state with a lot of ocean front. All, all I'm saying is this. I, I, you know, Obviously, I can't sit here. You and I can't sit here and, and dictate or determine how uh, this would happen. I think the question needs to be seriously debated, and then perhaps solutions and opportunities would present themselves. But all I'm saying is, and I don't want to chase this rabbit anymore, all I'm saying is I certainly don't believe that it is unpatriotic or uh, an affront to God or anything like that uh, to say we just have to have a separation from these anti-Christ and anti-American states. I think it's an opinion that you're certainly entitled to. I think it's an opinion of a lot of people. I think it's an opinion that should be discussed. My discussion isn't do you have the right to claim that or do you as a state or your states have the right to do that. I support all that completely. My question is, is if we're not very careful, we think things are so bad, we jump from the frying pan into the fire if we're not very careful. Right now, you can at least travel peacefully across the country. 
Um, you know, you might get felt well, up this by is a, a point. TSA thug. You might, uh, you know, have to put on a mask or something weird. But you can travel peacefully. You know what? We take this on, and we're pretty much at civil war if we secede. And now you've got a hostile country that you can't even travel across. Now, look, uh, that's that's a valid point. In, but Much less live and work in and all these kind of things. So we're not debating if you have the right. We're not debating if it's godless or godly or that you're wrong or right. What we're really discussing, in my opinion, is the practicality of what choices are before us for solutions, right? That's really what the debate is. And that's the debate oh, that, in the that, Republican the Party right now as well. So Donald well, this- Trump just announced that he's going to be you know, running for president. Some in the Republican Party say that's awesome. I am proud to tell you that I just announced from Mar-a-Lago that I am officially running for president of the United States, Donald Trump. Right now, some are excited about that. Some are not. I personally am mixed on this. What do you say? Well, I thought I watched all of it last night, and it was certainly muted compared to what you would have expected from a Donald Trump type of situation. I think that I worry that it may come back now as a farce. I certainly didn't feel any of the tingle that I felt in 2015 when he first announced, when it was so fresh, so unique, so totally different than the establishment status quo. Would he be better than Joe Biden or whomever the Democrats run? Absolutely and without question. There's no doubt about it. Trump was really the only Republican who's accomplished anything of uh, substance for its base with regards to, if nothing else at all, his appointments to the Supreme Court, which overturned uh, the, the the Roe versus Wade, or at least they, they say overturned it. It really didn't do that. It kicked it back to the states, which is where yeah, it should have been anyway. Yeah, but it did what needed to be done. You're right about that. Point. That's right. So he, he did do for that. Sure. And But, you know, I think, it, but this again goes back to what we were talking about a moment ago. You know, would would God want us to be restored to Sodom and Gomorrah? Can we be restored in in a nation that doesn't uh, allow us to have accurate would votes? God want us to be restored to Sodom and Gomorrah? Absolutely not. Let's be clear. And so uh, the the thing is, can we be reconciled with a country that will not allow uh, fair and accurate elections? That that's a big question. So with regards to Trump, it may all be moot. I am glad he's running because again, it raises the political stress level. I I do want to see these fissures widened. I just don't think you know. You were talking about King George, and it's a good point. But even those people, and even the people that were combatants in the war between the states, they still had a commonality. They were still a vast majority Christian. They were of one culture. They had disagreements that led to war. Obviously, they had stark disagreements, but they they were fundamentally still had these common ties that bind. Americans do not have that now. We are several different nations that are split up between two blocks: the Republicans and the. Democrats. And I don't see any reconciliation there. So I think, you know, with regards to Trump, I'm glad he's running. Uh, and I, I, I would I would su- su- I support some of the things he said. I mean, my gosh, we could go back and debate the, the, the pros and the cons and the goods and the yeah, bads. So the, Trump, the, the reality is, we, if we would secede, we got to discuss which states would do it, how they would do it together. And patriots need to move to the states that would leave and or the states that would. But whatever. you saw a lot you of that, Sam. You saw a lot of that people where they live and such, too. Right. That has happened over the course of the last couple of years, absolutely and without question. One of the reasons Florida and some of these other southern states went so Republican was because over the last couple of years with all of the tyrannical yeah, COVID restrictions, the, the last two years, a lot of people, a lot of people from these blue states are so coming the to the southern states. So getting set for what you talk about, but let's talk about Ronald. I'm mean, the Donald and see what he claimed in his speech last night and how it relates to reality. Oh, yeah. We'll do it in seconds on your radio.
this is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, James Edwards, Sam Bushman, breaking it down. The Republican Party is absolutely in shambles. Uh, yeah, Sam and, and James debating about secession. I'm not saying it's an evil idea or a bad idea. I'm just telling you, everybody wants to preach secession. Nobody wants to do the work to set up so it's literally possible. That's the problem that I have with it. Everybody just wants to go to the, you know, hey, let's just start shooting. Hold on, folks. There's better ways. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and secede. Oh, how are you going to trade? Well, I don't know. By golly, but they're evil. Well, you're right. But you got to think through these things. You can't just be an idiot and run around and just demand all kinds of crazy stuff. That's like everybody telling me, hey, why don't the sheriffs just arrest everybody? Arrest all the bad guys, Sam. Just round them up and arrest them. No, there's due process, folks. The same things that protect you protect the thugs, too, right? So you got to think through these things, and you can't put the cart before the horse. Donald Trump then said, hey. I'm happy to announce I'm running for president. Well, he then, in his speech before and kind of after, basically said, with your help, we'll make America powerful again. America's never powerful under the Donald. Not at all. We've had the weakest military in the last, you know, 20-plus years than we've ever had in America, ever. We're fighting multiple wars. We're broke as all get out. We'll make America wealthy again. My friend, we're $30 trillion in debt, Donald. I don't know how you understand that, but you obviously understand it different than I do. And if you talk about unfunded liabilities, we're $150 trillion in debt. Don't tell me we're a wealthy nation. We're borrowed to the hilt, about to be taken over for our debt, sir. Don't play games and lie to me like I'm Judge Judy. We would make America strong again. I don't even know what strong means. And immoral people, people who don't turn to God, are never strong. We'll make America proud again. Proud in what? The Constitution? 
proud in our, our adherence to, proud in our separation of powers, will make America safe again. The only way to do that is to put together militias in the country and acknowledge that they're real and true and one of the founding fathers' solutions for internal stability and safety. And then the jettison all the foreign entanglements like the good General George Washington recommended. You're not proposing any of that, Donald, nor have you ever. We will make America great again. I guess it all depends on how you define great. But it was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it's hardworking patriots like you that will save our country with me in 2024. We're going to rescue the country from the radical left and Joe. We have a lot of work to do, and we're just getting started. Please send me your money. Can I count on you to rush in your inaugural donation and be one of the ground floor founders? So I've literally gotten no less than 10 emails from Donald and partners begging me for my money, James. (laughs) Are you impressed yet or what? Well, I got a lot to say about all of that. First of all, nobody can speak for America. There is no America anymore. There is not one people, okay? That's the thing we're talking about here today. Uh, There are at least two Americas. Really, there are more than that, but there are two Americas and two different blocks. When he talks about these issues that resonate with half of America, they are completely anathema to the other half of America who are for murdering babies and child mutilation and gender uh, mutilation and uh, crime and BLM and COVID restrictions. That is a totally different America. And, but there is a difference between some of the Republican Party players now and the Democrats, which is interesting because before Trump, there was really no difference between them. Um, and, and here on the same day that Trump announced, and I want to get to some of the highlights that I, some of my biggest takeaways on the Trump speech, but Governor Greg Abbott of Texas did this. I invoked the invasion clause of the U.S. and Texas Constitution today to fully authorize Texas to take unprecedented measures to defend our state against an invasion. I'm using that constitutional authority and other executive orders to keep our country and state safe. And uh, basically he has deployed gunboats on the Mexican border. There's a lot <laughs> going on texas is trying to build its own wall now so yes there are differences between the republican party under trump and the radicalization of the republican base in a good way uh under under trump and what he's done so uh if that can continue uh that that would be good but his speech did come off as a little low energy to use one of the trump uh, terms from the original campaign back in 2016 it did not have the same Trumpian flair. It did not give me all of those feelings that I had when he first ran for office before six he years didn't of really mention election fraud at all, did he? No, he did not. No, he did not mention it at all. That that was key, and obviously he was told not to do that. Uh, one thing he told? did. Hold on, stop, stop. What do you mean told? Who tells yeah, well, the next president what to do? Well, uh, he, he has advisors yeah. like anyone, and, and well, but he normally he just doesn't advisor. listen to them. He needs to get new advisors because they're the ones that sunk his. Um, four years in office, and there's Sunk is, no uh, doubt about that. He needs to get new advisors because Patrick Byrne well, tried it, to tell him the truth, and he listened to whacked out Giuliani and got schooled for it. Well, he also listened to Jared Kushner. It was a it was a two pronged thing. Yeah. He he ran a terrible reelection campaign. Kushner did Giuliani and Jared. And, yeah, the, and great advisors. And listen to Ivanka. She's a and a then good the fraud constitutional conservative there. And you know, see, this is the problem with the Donald. He's too. Uh, wishy-washy he doesn't understand the fundamental constitutional reality of america that's the problem well, with the he, Donald. He, he, here's here's some other things from his speech 
Uh, as hey, Donnie, you want to come he, debate the Constitution on uh, air with me, sir? Let's do it. <laughs> you've had both of his radio family on. Me. Yeah, your chicken you've had, on the radio with me, though, Donald. I know it. And, and I'll prove it because you never come. Yeah, his son his came on and then, and, then, and then dissed us as if we were the enemy somehow, and all of his liberal friends were his <laughs> friends, right? That's right. Well, he once uh, okay. again failed to mention white Americans. In the first couple of minutes of his speech, he talked about how well African Americans, Asian Americans, and Hispanic Americans did under his presidency, but he didn't mention by name the people who actually voted for him, which was so a, he's a, a racist. big... Well, it's a big thing that, that, that sort of depressed his numbers in 2020 as well is that he alienated his actual base by, by the platinum plan and all, you know, letting out black rappers from prison. Anyway, other than that, uh, he did say a lot of good things. It was muted. It was low energy. But he talked about, you know, I think that running against funding the war in Ukraine would be a winning issue for him. Just as taking on the neocon warmongering establishment in 2016 was. Uh, he did mention in the speech that... Um, the government is being run by radical leftists and that third world countries can count votes faster yeah, than America does. Yeah, but it was run does. by Those radical leftists points. under his control as well. Well, all of that's right. But just talking about the speech, he meant you, you are absolutely correct about that. No <laughs> doubt about it. And, and so I wonder, that's the thing. I wonder if he's learned a lesson, if he would come back as a vengeful, punishing Trump, which no, is what, you know, you saw we how he's going to come back. Last night, you saw how he's going to come back. What, meek and as a lamb? That's right. Well, he, he, he did mention. <laughs> he mentioned uh, no men on women's sports teams. He condemned the what he called gender insanity and critical race theory. That's good. I will keep America out of foolish wars. I'm just reading direct quotes from him. Yeah. That's good. I, um, you know, again, I think the time for voting ourselves out of this he whole won't, thing. He won't Sam, keep America out of foolish wars. During his tenure, we were in over 130 nations military militarily. He didn't really get out of any of them, did he? Well, he didn't pull back the troops from where they're based, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't have any hot conflicts really. Not like we're 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 doing. All not right, like so we're, we're just going to occupy right 130 plus nations, and that's cool. Well, that shouldn't have happened either. But I'm just saying, he, he you know, I, I don't think <laughs> okay. we would be in this situation with Russia right now if Trump was in there. I mean, probably, probably not. not. But uh, again, I think the time for voting ourselves, if you have rampant election fraud, which I believe that we do, we don't have the smoking gun. And but you if, don't if, even if that's mention the case, it in your run for you office. Know, yeah, that's right. But that's the thing. I think voting ourselves out of this may have passed. But the system, it, this is the fact, Sam, the system is genuinely opposed to Trump. I do believe that. Uh, you read his media coverage. You read the coverage that Ron DeSantis yeah, is getting see, out. I don't, I don't think so. In a moment. I think the media loves I, I, Trump. I, because well, they, if they didn't really love Trump, they'd just ignore him. Um, well, that's hard to do when he's the president. <laughs> but in I'm any not event, the president he lost, just so you know. Well, he used to be. Well, they he covered him when he was for two plus years now, right? They covered him when he was, and they covered him when he ran before. And but they because him he did all, bring in ratings, ran, and they're covering him now. Yeah, well, yeah. If you call that coverage, I mean, it's a, well. I'll read one of the headlines in just a moment. But in, in any event, I'm glad that he's he's running because we can count on him to further the the divide. Uh, and you're going to have two more years of partisan rancor and pitched uh, battle, which I think is going to be good. I think we, we need these fissures to widen in order to have a future on this continent. I think we need alternative, um, we need alternative uh, options now. But here, here, were, here were the four biggest things. Now, none of these things he could possibly do, but he did mention it. Uh, he vowed to use the military to crush BLM and Antifa riots. Well, when he okay, was in stop. control of the military, stop. he certainly did he didn't do, do that. that during his watch? No, when he was the president and had the authority do to it. do that, he did. trust me, no. the second time, I'll do it, James. Trust me. He, sa he says he wants one-day uh, death penalties for drug dealers. <laughs> you were talking yeah, I don't about want that. that earlier. 
Yeah, I know. You said it protects the thugs. It protects us, too. Uh, he wants to get rid of early voting. Now, obviously, that's that's something, and, and he wants to go to paper yeah. ballots. But, but the, the president problem. can't do I any of this. I support those things, but that's not a federal thing. Yeah, yeah that's right. He's not going to be able to do it, but I'm just but talking about some of the things that, he said. He moves it towards a federal thing. Well, let me read you one headline, though. Now, this is yeah. the state of our unbiased, taxpayer-funded media. This is uh, <laughs> uh, this is the this, this is National Public Radio. Donald Trump. This, instead of saying Donald Trump is seeking re-election, former president runs for re-election, Donald Trump, who tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 presidential election and inspired a deadly riot at the Capitol in a desperate attempt to keep himself in power, has filed to run for president again in 2024. That's your, that's your media coverage of this announcement. And that's why James says, I don't think we can reconcile. He's right in many, many ways. Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. President Trump announced his third White House run from his home in Florida last night. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. This will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. A pair of Russian-made missiles traveled 15 miles into Polish territory and killed two civilians in their home Tuesday. This simple attack could invoke Article 5 of the NATO treaty and pull all 29 NATO nations into the war. President Biden is downplaying the threat and asking Congress to print more than $37 billion in emergency aid for Ukraine. The G20 group of powers agreed to a joint message at the close of their summit in Indonesia this week that says most members strongly condemn the war in Ukraine. Countries like China, India, Saudi Arabia, and South Africa have been reluctant to do so. Russia is a member of G20. President Putin did not attend this year. Let's get an update on the killings of multiple football players on the UVA campus. Katie Lewis from our Midwest Bureau reports. Students at the University of Virginia will be back in class today. The university gave students the past two days off to mourn after Sunday's shooting that killed three football players. Police say the suspect, who is a UVA student, shot at least four football players on a bus when he and other students returned from a field trip in Washington, D.C. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis. NASA successfully launched its Artemis One moon rocket from Florida early Wednesday morning. The unmanned mission duration will run 25 days, 11 hours, and 36 minutes. USA Radio News. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-568-2790. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems, and if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about $100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. 
Call Term Provider at 800-568-2790. That's 800-568-2790. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-568-2790. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, talking about Donald Trump's bid for the presidency. Uh, so you got more that he's claiming to do, James, besides begging me for money? <laughs> well, that those were the highlights that I took, uh, the things that I most agreed with or, or disagreed with. The rest of it was just sort of filler, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I but just tell you, you though, know, Donald lied on something that I just can't get over. He said during his presidency, we had the best economy we have ever had. And James, with fiat fake money, yeah, you cannot have the best economy we've ever had. Not even close. The constitutional currency of gold and silver created the longest run of the most stable economic engine the world has ever seen. Donald Trump literally, either intentionally or ignorantly, ignores that reality and doesn't even mention the problem with fake money whatsoever. That alone makes him unqualified to be president, sir. Well, I mean, we don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the better than Joe Biden. I, I think we can agree yeah, on that. So I mean, you're not, the you're not wrong. Two evils instead, right? Well, listen, I, I yeah. to to what extent will he be lesser? I mean, to what? Yes, I mean, I would. I have never voted for Republican before Trump. <laughs> I, I did vote for. I mean, but there, you know, if you're talking about lesser to a tiny degree, then you, you're on to something. If you're talking about lesser to an <laughs> To a, a Grand Canyon type of degree, uh, then uh, would I rather have Sam Bushman? Sure, but between the options I've got, <laughs> I'm going to have to vote All right, pragmatically. All right, so let me ask you the next question. Um, you know what? Just because Donald runs and just because he's announced that he's running, that doesn't mean that the Republican Party has to make them oh, or make him their that's nominee. Good. That's good. I'm glad you brought that back up because so I was about talk to talk about to, this, folks. I was about to forget something pretty important here, and that is, I think the only threat to Trump right now would be Who Ron. Who can DeSantis. challenge Trump in 2024? Only one. Ron DeSantis is the only one, and there is a All lot right. about DeSantis that I like. He takes a lot of the Trumpian things that got uh, the Republican base excited, and he has implemented that. In the state of Florida, he's taken on Disney. He's taken on critical race theory. He pushed back on COVID. He's he's mentioned anti-white acts of terrorism. By the way, he pushed back more on COVID than the Donald. So there are things about DeSantis that I like. I think, however, though, uh, he would sort of taper things back to a more traditional Republican versus Democrat situation instead of leading us to where I think we need to go, which is something beyond that. Uh, because I don't think we'll ever be one united uh, collection of states again. And so if we're not going to be, I would uh, uh, rather keep my family protected from the evils of the left. And this, truly, this is not differences of opinion when you're talking about the things that they're advocating for now, the modern-day Democratic Party. I think it is absolute evil. I would like to shield my family from that. And the best way to shield that I know of is to separate from that. And I think DeSantis would take us more back into, hey, the answer lies within the existing system of Republicans and Democrats. And I don't think I believe that anymore. But in any event, I do like a lot about DeSantis, and there's no doubt that what he was able to do in Florida was absolutely remarkable. And he's done it as a governor, so he has the 
experience to do this at an executive level and get things done. And, you know, winning Florida by 20 points is just well, it's everything that the media yeah. said it was. It's, it's, it's noteworthy. Right. But here's the thing. Here's the, here is my misgivings about DeSantis, though. Here is my misgivings about it. He is getting universally good press right now. Is it because the system is so opposed to Trump, they'll try to prop DeSantis up until he wins a primary before turning their guns on him? I don't know. Or is he part of the system? I, I saw an op-ed on CNN written by David Axelrod. We all know David You're Axelrod the was the former uh, He was the former Clinton <laughs> and Barack Obama campaign manager. Yes, I mean, yes, deep, deep, deep. Edwards, even though it's not <laughs> I'm just telling deep, you right Deep level operative within the Democratic Party. Everything you dislike <laughs> about the Democratic Party, David Axelrod is a living embodiment of it, okay? He's bad, bad, bad. <laughs> so what we do is but, we but, read his op-eds. Well, but I saw the headline, and I was wondering what this was yeah. all about. I saw the headline written by D David Axelrod, and it said uh, Trump uh, – um, it said something about this being a blessing. Oh, oh he, he was talking about the midterms, <laughs> not going as well as the Republican Party might have wanted, being a blessing yeah. in disguise. So I, I read it. I was like, well, what's the blessing in this from David Axelrod's perspective? Longtime Democrat partisan. And he said, well, it's a good thing for the Republicans that they didn't do better because this will open the door for Ron DeSantis, who will be who will be uh, a much better champion for their yeah. party than Trump could be. And then I'm thinking I'm thinking to myself and then I saw I was watching CNN last night. I was flipping between Fox and CNN. I do like <laughs> listen, I like to watch CNN because I like to see what the other side is saying. And yeah. I was watching it before <laughs> Trump announced and they said. They were talking about it was almost this entirely left wing panel lauding yeah. Ron DeSantis, and I'm thinking to yes. myself, well, now that that's very generous of David Axelrod and all of these CNN panelists <laughs> to to give this advice to the GOP on how wonderful it would be if Ron DeSantis becomes the party's nominee. Now, why would they want to help listen out to me, like that? Listen, I want. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're looking through it in the left, right, red, blue, dishonest, inaccurate paradigm. You got to look at it from the deep state versus us paradigm, James. All right. And Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are both deep state operatives. I they don't give a rip. It. They don't give a rip which one wins, my friend. Uh, okay, well, if that's the case, if, well, 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 prevent, it, hold on, and prevent option C, which is none of the above in the Hegelian dialectic. They're cool if you vote for A or B or Democrat C, but not D, none of the above. Got it? They don't care. Well, now, with the, now that we're entirely on the same page, then Sam, I, I guess I, I I think that there is more of a chance than DeSantis being, uh, you know, one of their being handled by them than than Trump. I don't believe that about Trump. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. But but if if if, if it is all so rigged as, to that extent, then the obviously the only option then is an option C, which is not competing within the existing system and thinking something entirely new, which doesn't include relying on voting ourselves out of this, which is what I've been talking about throughout the program. That, uh, yeah, your point's well taken on that front. But here's the deal. Who could challenge Donald Trump? Ron DeSantis. But when Ron DeSantis was even talked about and promoted by others, Donald went literally ballistic yeah. <laughs> on Trump, on, on DeSantis. Yep. And treated him like an enemy. Shame on Donald for that. And Ron I commend DeSantis for his humble, appropriate response. He first said nothing and didn't even respond. Then he finally responded so classy, with such class, it will shock you. 
Uh, Cameron, if you can go ahead and look in the folder that I've got, uh, there is a uh, DeSantis file there. DeSantis responds to abrupt Trump attacks. Can you play that for me? Go. We'd like to know what you think about Trump's big announcement and some of the less than flattering comments he has made about you. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned, like learned in this job, is um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning, and it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you, what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Uh, the fact of the matter is, All right, listen, he continues here. Very interesting. You know, the fact of the matter is we um, – it, it was the, the, the greatest uh, Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. There you have it. Now, just imagine if Donald treated Iran the same way. We might actually get something done, James. Well, it should come as no surprise to anyone who's ever – Watch Donald Trump that uh, he he goes after threats in this way. He he did it. Uh, we loved it. I loved it. I gotta admit, I loved it when he did it to true enemies of of our people, like Jeb Bush in the original primaries. I like the irreverency. I mean, again, you know, is the act stale now? This now being the third campaign he's run, and so we've seen all of this before. I don't mind it so much when he does it to to people who are absolute enemies of everything that we stand for. I kind of enjoy it a little bit. I might not be the most classy thing. Go ahead, James. But with regards to DeSantis, look, DeSantis, again, there's a lot to be said for him. He has a young, very attractive family. Uh, he, he he's fresh. He's he's accomplished some things. But I also have some misgivings about, again, why is the media promoting him? Is it because they're anti-Trump or is it because th- this is a, this is one of their boys? Why I saw does the media promote again. Trump relentlessly? Well, they, bad well, press I mean, doesn't it, matter. Just give it the press. It polarizes the electorate. Doesn't matter what press you give. Just give press. They've given Donald Trump billions of dollars of free media. Well, and it has been universally negative, And I mean, to an article and to a televised commentary it is it has been negative i mean trump was different yes you would say just ignore uh, but it, it was harder to ignore a media magnate like trump a, a billionaire celebrity real estate titan in new york uh, they didn't know what he was going to be doing when he first announced and then it was just such a ratings boom how come they attacked yes, him right normally they the would then. ignore see they knew what he'd be doing this was all planned out otherwise they well, would have loved him <laughs> from the start and attacked him later no they attacked him the second he walked down the escalator sir well when he as soon as he walked down the escalator the first thing he said was we got to get these mexican rapists out of here they went out the plectic over that but but i'll say something about about and did DeSantis he get him out of here is, hold on did he get him out of here no no but neither has okay. DeSantis, right. and, and neither has any of them but um yeah 
the, the thing about you know, one thing about Trump that I liked there was a lot that I liked a lot that I didn't like I voted for him twice uh the big, his big thing is again he he upended the neocon hold on the Republican Party and the Republican base. I mean there are some very right, good things me, that look, are going we're running on. Out of on time. Local let me go levels. with some quick questions for James. The liberals are saying Ron DeSantis could possibly take on Trump. They say Mike Pence could possibly take on Trump. They say Mike Pompeo could take on Trump possibly. They say Larry Hogan possibly. Ted Cruz. Uh, there's many others. I don't believe any of those people have the mojo to take on Trump at all. Uh, they might even put Romney up against Trump and take the party back to the George Bush days of, of central or centrist governing. Uh, but the question becomes, who can take on Trump? Is there anyone, James? And do you think there'll be a primary? Only DeSantis, all of those other guys, 0% chance. I mean, ze- flat zero on Pence and Romney. There's just no way the Republican base is ever going to go back that. They, the, the Republicans may never win another uh, presidential election, but they're not going to go back to that. There's just there's 0% chance, flat less than zero. DeSantis could compete, uh, but the shine of all of this, you know, of his wins in Florida will, will wear off between now and two years from now. I mean, the primaries, keep in mind, the primaries don't even kick off in Iowa until more than a year from now. And so this, the whole world will be, a, we could be a world war before then. The whole thing's going to be uh, turned upside down several times between now and the next presidential election, to be sure. But even between now and uh, the early primaries more than a year from today, uh, DeSantis could possibly compete. But, you know, running in a nationwide uh, primary type uh, thing is, is totally is a totally different ballgame than what he's known. And that can be said for anyone who's not done it before. Uh, but Trump still has the loyalty of people across the nation in the base of the Republican Party. Uh, Trump is clearly, clearly the front runner. Uh, or will Trump get the nominee? That's the well. Somebody's question. Trump will get the nomination. Not only an incumbent if, president will get the nomination, but since there's been four years in between, yeah, he's not really an incumbent nominee as normally done, right? So he's still the he best known nationwide. I mean, there's no doubt DeSantis's profile has been increased mightily over the last couple yeah, but of not years, even especially close after to Trump. The You're right. But will there be a primary? Well, there will be a primary. I don't know if it's going to be a competitive one. I don't know if if you're asking me, will DeSantis run or not? I'd say it's fifty-fifty. Uh, there will be a primary. Somebody's going to I run. Predict whether DeSantis it's some... does not run, and I predict that there will not be a primary. Well, again, there will be a primary in so much as some also ran, whether it be Pence or John Kasich, some moderate. Uh, Republican like now Pence isn't a moderate. I mean he's he's kind of a wimp, but you know I I, I agree with him on the social issues. But he, he's not going to compete compete. Yeah. Uh, against, all right. So here's the next question. Trump. There's a long time before this all pans out. Trump's got to stay in the news for a long time. Of course, the media will oblige him and help him for sure. Even though they hate him, they'll just absolutely give him free advertising to the to the tune of billions and billions of dollars as he begs Sam Bushman for money. I've got eight children, and Donald's begging me for money. It's insanity on crack. It's crazy. Uh, but nevertheless, will Trump become Speaker of the House? Because that's the only way he stays relevant enough ah. to become president. That is, well, he's going to be relevant because he was a president. I mean, he's relevant no matter what happens. I mean, there's just, he's the front runner of the Republican not Party. Not all the Republicans turned right against now. him. He's not relevant. Well, they do. They were against him when he first came down, and he, and he, and he, yeah, he, there was he still snapped a lot them all for in him. Line. There was a lot of the people that were for him uh, at the state level. Not within at, the at establishment. The, at the I precinct mean, just the levels. I know, but the That's state right. level, the precinct levels, a lot of people were for him. 
Well, I had to your you, question. That's how that, you had the precinct coup in the first place, by the way. Well, the, the people were certainly for it, the Republican-based people, but in terms of the, uh, the, the establishment, they, they came over sort of one by one. I think the first one that was out for him was uh, Jeff Sessions in Alabama, who was a senator at the time in Alabama. And uh, he was really the first Republican that came out for him in the early primary season. And then more and more high-profile Republicans. You know, of course, once the power begins to shift and Trump starts to become the, uh, the nominee, then everybody falls in line because they're going to go with whichever way the power is shifting. And that's just human nature. And that's what happened. But uh, the thing about him being Speaker of the House, now, we actually had on my program last week a former Republican nominee for United States Senate in her own right. Her name is Lauren Witzke. She won a contested Republican primary in 2020 and was the Republican nominee for Delaware uh, that year, and she lost to the incumbent, but uh, she's made a name for herself as a result of that campaign and then since. And she said that, 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 that there is a lot of chatter, and she still keeps her ear to the ground a little bit with regard to what's going on in the actual party. She has contacts there. And she says there is chatter that he will become Speaker of the House. Now, that seems too wild for even me to uh, consider or believe. I don't see that happening. I don't think Trump would lower himself uh, to, to that. I think he wants to be the president. I think he wants to be the big man. And um, I, I don't see Remember, him Remember, you're that. Speaker of the House. Happening. You're third in line already, right? But how, you know, how does exactly – I'll, I'll plead ignorance on this. I've never heard of that happening, the Speaker of the House not even being a member of Congress. Has that happened before? Yeah. Or is it the, the Senate? You know, who's the tiebreaker, right? Kamala's the tiebreaker in the Senate. Uh, but who takes over? I thought they said Nancy Pelosi could have been the president, right? Now Nancy's kind of melting down and kind of quitting, uh, which is evidence that the Republicans are doing better than the Democrats uh, say they are. Or Nancy wouldn't be quitting, by the way. But who's third in line to be the president? Uh, well, that will be whoever the, yeah, whoever becomes the Speaker of the House. That's right. Yeah, see what I'm saying? So Donald might just do that. It's not below him if it puts him in third place already because then he could literally, as Speaker of the House, kind of command the boat, set the people up saying, hey, here's what I would do, Kamala Biden, shame on you. If the new Republican Party, I don't know what to call it, jettisons McCarthy, whacked out Kevin that tried so hard, but, you know. And he is being challenged. Anything done. Uh, if you could get somebody that was Speaker of the House that could literally bring the House some mojo, you could s- simply silence the Senate by controlling the budget uh, and by literally critiquing everything the president and vice president does, making them literally lame ducks for two years. If you discount vote fraud, which is, is impossible to discount, but if you discount fraudulent elections, uh, you can write off Trump at your own peril, even with regards to everything we've said and, and any misgivings we may have. There is absolutely a, sure there's a path uh, for him to become reelected in 2024, especially if the economy continues to go in the in the tank, which there's no signs of it rebounding. And in fact, it could probably get a lot worse if if the war escalates with Russia. You got to understand, even in these places like Nevada and Arizona, where the balance of power was tipped and which cost Trump in 2020, which cost the Republicans uh, the Senate this uh, this time. You're talking about 50 to 49 uh, election breaks. Uh, The Democrats win with like 50 percent of the vote and Republicans get 49 and independent gets a couple of percentage, uh, you know, a couple of points of a percentage. So, yeah, there is a path for Donald Trump to win again. Uh, There's just no doubt about it. Now, will he? You know, will it be frauded out? I mean, probably. But if, if you if you if you could get that solved, there would be a path for him to win, even in this divided uh, in a country. All right. So listen, let me let me tell you how this works. You got the president, the vice president, 
Speaker of the House, then the President Pro Temper of the Senate is third. Right? Uh, so that's an interesting dynamic. The House okay. gets before the Senate. And this is the brilliant checks and balances of the founders. Uh, the House has to have some mojo somewhere. Answer, they're third in line to the presidency. So if Donald became Speaker of the House, then we could see what he would do by what bills he moves forward. Right but is now, there a legitimate, had, I mean, right now we've, we've heard had the Republicans rumors. who control the House shut everything down. That's what happened when Republicans had the House. Uh, the leadership, you know, literally shut everything down. This is the chance to prove where they would really go, what the direction would be, James. That is a great point. And again, other than rumor and innuendo and hearsay, I don't know how serious of a threat this is or if Trump is, is on board with trying to make an attempt at it or, or how it would work. I do know that Kevin McCarthy has officially been challenged. They had a conference call vote uh, the other day, just sort of like a preliminary vote of what will be happening in January when the new yeah, Congress is seated. Yeah, vote, by the way. And he did not have uh, yeah very yeah thank you Sam that that's an important point and he did not have enough votes to be uh, to to be reelected so he's going to be challenged and it looks like uh, Representative Andy Biggs who's a MAGA type is is going to be challenging him and I know Andy well actually personally really yeah well, so what so do you think we'll about see, him we'll see what that happens I think he's a great guy in many ways I think he's a fairly new congressman comparatively speaking. Uh, so I don't know that he has a real chance. Usually it's a seniority discussion to a great degree. Uh, but I think he's a good guy. I also know, uh, oh, what's his name from Florida? Senator from Florida's challenging it, right? Uh, what's his name? Rick uh, Scott? Yeah, Rick yeah. Scott. That's right. That's right. That's another one. And and, and I got to tell you, you got to get away from the McCarthy and, and the McConnells. You know, you look at uh, you look at uh, Arizona, which, 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 again, we've talked about. Uh, Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly. Now, this, again, let's just discount election fraud for a moment. Uh Masters came within a few thousand votes of winning that, you know, a couple of percentage points. You know, it was a razor's edge a defeat. And he got outspent $80 million to $12 million. $80 million poured in for the Democrat, $12 million for uh, Masters. And even with, most likely, some voting shenanigans, um, we certainly know that was the case in Maricopa County. We talked about all these machines breaking on Election Day in Republican areas. He still almost won, and Mitch McConnell pulled funding from that race. He pulled the funding that the Republicans themselves were supposed to yeah, allocate towards him. Masters and, and pulled it when the, the whole fate of the Senate <laughs> it depends on you carrying either Nevada or Arizona. So, yeah, they've got to get rid of McConnell and McCarthy. There's, they, they've got to do that. All right, I got great news for the end of the hour. Our dear constitutional sheriff in Clickatech County, Washington, his name is Bob Sanders. He was in a uh, Bob Bob Songer. I'm sorry, Bob Songer. I've been speaking to Sanders too much. Bob Songer. He brought us fantastic news. He has won re-election, so we've got good news somewhere. That is good right? news. I think it's great news. But there you have it. So I don't know what's going to happen. I know people think I just want to down Donald every chance I get. That's not really true. What I want to do is promote the good that Donald does, and I want to reject the bad that Donald does. And when Donald fast-tracked vaccines, and when he didn't fire and prosecute Fauci, shame on the Donald. That's right. A lot hey, of things you, you, Donald you, you've has been done, very consistent in that. A lot of things Donald has done has been incredibly good. The pro-life stance, could he go further? Possibly, but he's done more than any other president in my lifetime, and I absolutely commend him. 
Did he do his and, best on and the border by the wall, way, stem the flow of illegals? Absolutely. Give him credit for that, too. James. You've been consistent, and, and that's what a commentator and a newsman should do. Give credit when it's due and challenge when they fall short. That is what the media should do. You're, you're one of the very few that do it on a high-profile level. But i got to say this about abortion. Everybody was saying that abortion was what killed the Republican Party, but, again, that's just not true. They, you know, the, the, the thought that Roe versus Wade being kicked back to the states animated the left, and that's what blunted the Republicans. Uh, it certainly didn't in the in the red state areas because you have now in the South where uh, the Republicans have total control. Uh, and when I mean total control, I mean control of the governorship, the state Senate, and the state House of Representatives. The Republicans have that throughout the South, except in Virginia, and that's about to go back, uh, if you can believe it, red. They've got a red governor now. And the, the, the Virginia House of Delegates is about to go back red. I think the Democrats hold it by one or two seats, and that's the only state house in all of the South that the Democrats hold. And in all of these southern states, abortion was a big winning issue. And, of course, since the Supreme Court made their decision, uh, the, the southern states have strengthened their abortion laws. And not only did it not hurt them, it uh, the Republicans, you saw in Florida, uh, increased their supermajorities and increased their portion of the vote beyond that which they received in 2020. So it's not a losing issue for the Republicans. Uh, but it, you know, when you're talking about a nationwide vote, when you've got two different Americas, uh, that's where it begins a, a little bit dicey. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We'll have to keep an eye on the ball. It's way early, uh, as James wisely mentioned. It's a series of lifetimes, politically speaking, between now and even a Republican primary, much less the 2024 general election. A lot can happen. I think we need to stick on the issue of election fraud and remedy that reality as Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips wisely point out I think Donald Trump needs to come to the table and speak on that more boldly he needs to fund those of us who are truly getting after that issue on his behalf right. but he's been strangely psychotically silent to date I shame him for that I shame him for being uh, attacking DeSantis that's a that's a, that's actually a clown move Donald I'm telling you right now it's a clown move sir how dare you attack our internal people, the best one in the country that's won with the biggest margins, and then you try to take credit for his win? You deserve some of that credit. But a humble guy gives Rick, or I'm sorry, Ron DeSantis the credit. At some point, Donald, you need to learn to get along and work together. I know you did it to stop anybody threatening you for 2024, but folks, it can be done a better way that can unite. Maybe we can't unite with our enemies that want to become communist promoters. But we can certainly unite with our people. Is Ron DeSantis not one of us? If he's not, who is, Donald? I'll leave you with those thoughts. For Sam and James, we declare God save the Republic of the United States of America.